Never on schedule, but always on time. This is the Around the Way podcast, and I'm your host, Hayden Steele. And today, my guest came through and told this amazing story, which I cannot put into words. So, without any further ado, I found a way, featuring Miss Carter. So, I mean, where I would like to start from, because I think it's interesting, because our childhoods are like really opposite, is like your childhood, like how we were <laughs> growing up. In between Detroit and Cleveland. Mm. Well, I think um, Detroit was pretty much more of a fast life <laughs> growing up. And yeah, growing up. Um, Cleveland was more, I was more reserved. I was more sheltered. Detroit, it was just kind of like every man for themselves. Like I just learned how to defend myself and just be my own person, get in where I could fit in, and just kind of go with the flow. I just had to adapt to Detroit because it's very a very fast city, very fast. But Cleveland, when I um, was coming up, I basically was like sheltered. And I was in private schools. I went to, you know, a public school during elementary times. And then I went to a Catholic school because my parents basically thought that they could, uh, you know, put me on that side (laughs) and just kind of keep me away from what I really wanted to do. And it didn't work, really. I mean, it worked for middle school, but by the time I got to high school, I was leaving the back door as soon as my dad dropped me off. Mm-mm-mm. I was bad. I would never. But I didn't get like that until I hit 16 and a half. My daughter's is 16 and 17, basically. And I would die. <laughs> If they did what I did, but it's a different day and age now. So (laughs) I try to let them know. I mean, they've heard bits and pieces, but I don't think they knew everything. And even if they heard this, I still, I believe in two wrongs don't make a right. Three rights make a left. (laughs) So, yeah. And that's the way I am. I mean, I'm just that way with my kids personally, just because of what I have done as a teenager. So yeah. I know. Because teenagers suck. I say it all the time. And like some people be giving me pushback on it, but I don't care. Teenagers suck. Kids are cool. Yeah, in general. But teenagers suck. Like they all suck. I don't give a fuck what they do, how good the grades are. Like they just do shit. Like, cause everybody do shit. Like yeah. everybody suck, but like teenagers is a special kind of suck. Cause like, it's like a 50, 50. Cause sometimes they, you they're... don't know what you're doing. Like you don't know until you don't, you don't know what you don't know until you know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like some, sometimes kids make mistakes. And it's like, I'm doing it. I ain't sure about why I'm doing it. 
but I'm not sure if I'm wrong for doing it yet. But when I do it, I'm going to find out. They'll be like, damn, I'm wrong. But it's like every single time with teenagers. Like, they wrong every single time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to me. Because um, they suck. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. I mean, I suck. But like, they, but like they kids, so it's like, all right, you ain't know. But like, god damn. Like, was I like this when I was young? Like, yeah. But we just was on a different level, you know. When I was younger, like, I did stupid shit. And it was like, because I ain't no, no, man. Some, like, 50-50. Some stuff I knew better. Some stuff I didn't. But, like, it's like I had to learn. And then when mm-hmm. I did, it was like, dang. I ain't want to. I'll do it different next time. Well, <laughs> to me, um, I feel like teenagers are, they're, they remind me of toddlers in teenage form. They just like to explore. Mm-hmm. How toddlers like to explore and they touch shit and get in shit and just do shit. Yeah. That's what teenagers do. So, but yeah, I mean, but I honestly feel like teenagers do. I knew what the fuck I was doing when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. I knew what I was doing. I knew half the shit that I did was wrong. <laughs> I At least I knew my parents didn't agree. If anything, if I knew anything, I knew it wasn't what they were happy about and I still chose to do it so I made wrong decisions true enough that makes sense to me I mean that's you basically that's enough to go by dishonoring your parents sometimes in my opinion yeah sometimes and yeah you gotta live a little cause like as a kid like I feel like Sometimes we be forgetting, like, when we was kids, like, sometimes, man, like, sometimes your parents not right. <laughs> like, you remember sometimes, like, your parents just wasn't right, but it's, like, nothing you could do about it. Like, I remember telling my nieces and nephews, like, you kind of right, but, like, that don't matter because you're a kid. Like, just accept it and move on. Like, accept that you're right, you know you're right. Well. And, but it ain't nothing you could do about it because some stuff is, a, some things are rules. Yeah. And some things are just life, like, where, like, you just, sometimes you're too young to be right. It's, it's kind of shitty, <laughs> but, like, sometimes you're too young to be right. Like, I be telling, like, my niece and nephew that. Like, sometimes you're just too young to be right. Don't matter how you feel about this shit. Like, you know, it's different for adults. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it'd be different for adults. But, like, what was the what was the wildest, uh, not wildest, but, but let's say, like, what was the the dumbest decision you made, like, as a teenager? <sighs> The dumbest, um, I mean, I made a few, but, um, I would just say running away, trying to run away from home and, um, you know, once I ran away and stuff, I was, you know, chasing boys. So I just was doing what I wanted to do. And I felt like that was the only way that I could do it is leave. You know, if I wasn't up under their roof, I, you know, I could do whatever I wanted and I would run away and then I would regret it, but I would be too scared to go home. So I would stay out longer, be out late, tired, hungry, cold. So wanting to go home, just sleep in my own bed. And it was like, all that stuff was available for me. It wasn't like, it was not there, but I was dumb. And I made a dumb decision too. At one point, I, um, 
my dad was like, you know what? I can't just, I can't keep doing this. He was like, Kelly, you just, you getting out of control. He was like, I talked to your mother and your people in Detroit. So I got to, I'm going to send you back. He was like, maybe if you just go with your mother, you know, something that can change or, you know. Maybe you understand. I can understand differently in a different perspective. And at the same time, he probably just was stressed out. So he needed a break. But um, with that being said, I just I already knew what Detroit was like. I'm like, shit, if you let me go down there. I'm out. I'm out. Free. I'm just free. I'm living. I'm grown, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember taking a boy down there. And I thought he was the love of my life. And I'm like, hop on this bus and go with me to Detroit. We took a trip on the Greyhound all the way to Detroit. Brought him to my people. They accepted him. They was like, oh, okay. I knew they weren't going to say no. Because like I said, Detroit was just fast paced. They didn't care. They was just like, is he bringing some bud? Is he bringing some beer? What he got? <laughs> Invite him over. So... I end up doing that, and I'm just like, that was the dumbest decision I ever made. That young puppy love. Because when his ass got down there, I'm like, shit, you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> Why did he need to go? Because at that point, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do, and he was holding me back in my head at that time. You saw the move. Mm -hmm. I was meeting different boys. Can't say men, because we were kids. I'm like, shoot, I can't be can't be tied down. Tied down at sixteen. <laughs> and I met Rico over here, and his name really was Rico. And David over there. I'm like, shoot. So yeah. I ended up sending him back. I was mean. I back. sent him back. He was heartbroke. He was real heartbroke. I can believe it, but that is funny. <laughs> That is, the, yeah. my God. <laughs> that was like a dumb decision. I felt bad, but. No, you didn't. Uh, you I kind of felt bad. I hurt his feelings. You didn't care then. As an adult, you probably like, oh, that's kind of fucked up. But like at the time, you probably like, I got better options here. I did some grimy shit when I was like, how they, was, what was that thing? I remember a comedian said it. She was like, uh, it's like when you win when you win like a prize, big teddy bear, you at the amusement park, and now you're like, damn, can't ride no more rides, God, I got this motherfucker with me. <laughs> Basically. On top of that, um, how was it growing up being also mixed too? Cause like, it's a different dynamic, cause like everybody, <sighs> on your side of the family here in Cleveland that I've met, none of y'all look alike. I know, you dark skin, whatever. But yeah. none of y'all look alike. You trying to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, But um, in Detroit, as far as like, well, y'all all look different from what I was saying, like your family in Detroit, like the pictures you showed me and everything. Y'all all look different. Uh -huh. But like, y'all all look different. And here, it's just you. And some people don't believe you until they see your family. Because you look black. Mm-hmm. Like, how was that growing up? How was that now? Because <laughs> that's interesting. 
Like, I don't know if that's not interesting for some people. But that's interesting to me. Because I've never heard you say that you weren't black. I've heard other people just tell you not to say it, but, like, you know, right. just in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I'm used to it. It is interesting to a lot of other people on the outside. But <clears throat> growing up, I mean, I just, my father is a black man and... You know, my biological mother is Mexican and white, but, you know, my dad raised me, so I just always naturally just, you know, looked at myself as black. I I was a daddy's girl. He raised me. I was up under him. And I never really seen myself as a mixed person, a mixed child, until I was come almost out of middle school um yeah I mean it sounds crazy but I never labeled I never identified as being mixed until <clears throat> you know when my sister because my sister is seven years under me so you know we kind of look different but we look the same but she you know her hair was different the texture of her hair and I just remember saying things like you know, well, why can't I get uh, extensions or why can't I get braids? And, um, you know, I just, people would always look at me and be like, oh, what you mix with? And then I would say, I'm black. And I would look at them crazy and then they would look at me crazy and I'd be like, what you mean black? Black and what else? <laughs> I'm black. But I guess people can look at me and tell you know, physically, appearance-wise, I got something else in me. I mean, it is evident. I just go by what people tell me. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I started embracing, you know, my my mixture. I started embracing it more the older I got. Um, I will always identify as being a black woman just because, like I said, that's all I knew. I was raised in an all-black household. My father is black. All my family is black on my father's side. So I will, <clears throat> I just, I'm a, I'm a identify as being a black person, a black woman. But I know, like I said, as I got older, I just started to embrace the other side of my race, which is Mexican and white. But, um, I never had to really go through, I haven't had really like many bad experiences as far as, as far as that. Because the thing is, I either look either just black or just Puerto Rican to people. Like people don't even see the white in there. Most people that see me, they just automatically think, oh, she's Puerto Rican or she's Spanish. Sometimes people come up to me and say, are you Brazil, Brazilian? Are you Samoan? I've gotten, um, am I from Hawaii? Like I've gotten so many different things, but this one lady got mad at me when I worked at <coughs> Taco Bell, one of my first jobs. I was pregnant with my first daughter and um, she automatically started speaking Spanish to me at the register when she was trying to place her order. And I, I said to her politely, ma'am, I don't speak Spanish. Mm, yeah. 
she took her receipt, threw it at me, and said, well, bitch, what the fuck are you? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, the good old days. Mm-hmm. The 90s. Nope. Oh. That wasn't the 90s. The 2000s. Yeah. But, um... I mean, now, you know, I got biracial children. Like, I never... Like I said, I've always identified as being black. So most people that know me, that have been around me, friends, not just saying family, but just friends, just people that have been around that know who I am. They, you know, don't see me as nothing else for real. They know that I'm mixed, but like I said, I just always identify as a black woman. So I've never really had bad experiences, a couple here and there, but my my main thing now um, is my kids. You know, I worry about them growing up, mm-hmm. being mixed, just because of how it is now. Yeah, like what do you mean? You know, like my boys. I feel like, you know to them like I've always taught my kids like you know you come from a black family you're black you know and I don't want to seem like biased or racist or anything like I'm not trying to claim one side of my race and I'm only claiming the other but I just tell my kids you guys are black I feel like once you have a drop of blackness in you you're black that's just who you are white people don't look at you you know, like if they know you got one little speckle of black, then to them, you're black. doesn't matter. We have color to our skin. So, I mean, to me, I feel like black people come in all shades, you know, light yeah. skin, brown. I'm dark. I'm dark skin. Yeah. So. You sure are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um. You know, it's just, I want my kids to know, to identify who they are, not just by me telling them, but I want them to be able to claim and identify with themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, who they are and be able to stand up for that, you know? So I don't want them to get judged. I don't want the police, you know, trying to shoot my kids and all that. I worry about all that because right now that's what we're dealing with, Mm -hmm. you know, and they stepping right into it. So... Mm-hmm. So, all right, so we fast forward, right? All the way to Taco Bell. Um, then, let's say, you know, into that time when you're going into, like, your your most serious relationship and your your, your first pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Like, how was that time? Um... My first serious relationship? I guess so. Well, like the most, your first most serious one. Well, I guess the fir- the most serious one is my kid's father. <clears throat> we, we met each other when I was, uh, I was 19 and he was 18. And um, six months later, I ended up getting pregnant. Ooh, hot Mm-hmm. It happened really fast. Um, at that time, I kind of feel like if I could redo that time, 
I would, but I kind of feel like things happen so fast because of the position that I was put in. And, you know, that's a whole nother story. But at the time that I met my ex-husband, um, my parents were fighting a case and they were basically on their way to, you know, being sentenced to prison. And, uh, you know, I was still young. I still needed my parents, you know. Kira, which is my oldest daughter, she's 17. And even when she's 18 and even 19, I feel like she's gonna still need me, you know? So. I told you, they like tattoos. Yeah, I mean, it's always gonna be forever. I need my parents now and I'm 37 years old. But I don't think that they're gonna be well off. You know, they're not gonna be stable. And if they are more power to them, I would love that. You know, I would support them and I would help them. But they're, to me, a 19 year old is still a baby mm-hmm. to me. And you gotta really just have your foundation at that age if you're gonna try to do something on your own. You gotta be grounded, you know, stable financially. It's a lot that comes with that. So nowadays, I honestly feel like you, if you're not 25 and over, you really can't fend for yourself. But anyways. Um, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, just back to what I was saying. Um, when I was that age, is what I'm trying to get to, I wasn't ready to be on my own. My parents were leaving. They were going to prison. And that was a time in my life that I had to face. And I just said, what's next? You know, I'm by myself. I don't know what to do. It just kind of forced me to grow up. I was already mature for my age. I was already working. You know, I had my little nine to five job. And um, when I had met him, it was basically, you know, when I met him, it was with good cause. It was with good cause. It's not like I used him or anything. Y'all were in love. Yeah, when we met, we- um, Y'all were in love. We were we were in love at one point. Um, when I met him, it just kind of it kind of fell in place. It just all happened at the same time. Like I had met him, <clears throat> my parents were going to prison. So with that being said, it just kind of forced us to start a life quicker. You know, I got pregnant six months after I met him. I'm like, wow. You know, now what am I gonna do? And you know, he stepped up at that time. He he did. He stepped up and said. You know, I have a savings, we can get a car. You know, he said, you're having my baby. He says, I've always had savings. And he says, and I I could have been, you know, got a car because he used to catch the bus to work and I never could understand. I used to be like, why do you always just catch the bus? Why don't you get a car? And he was like, I'm waiting on the right time. You know, I'm just stacking money, saving, you know. Mm -hmm. So he said, this is the time. He was like, I feel like I should take this money out now and get a car because you don't need to be, you know, walking, catching buses and stuff, being pregnant. So he bought us our first car and then we ended up moving with his sister. Um, You know, he basically had paid her some rent for me to stay there. They embraced me more quicker because I was having the baby Um, and they were excited about that it was the first baby well it was the second baby in their family like the second grandchild Um, so they embraced me and everything and I started living with his sister and we started looking for a place together we were both working at Taco Bell that's how I met him and we started looking for a place we found a place our first little apartment it was like a four or five tenant building not big at all but we got the place 
And that's actually when I found out I was pregnant. So I take that back. I found out I was pregnant like two or three days after we moved into this apartment. So it was kind of like God had it like aligned for it, me. He did. It was already written in stone. Yeah. It was exactly what you needed. You didn't need to be alone. You didn't need to find a new level of independence. You needed mm-hmm. to find something that was structured enough for you to be able to live raise, yeah, live and raise a child at the time it just do 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 yeah and so i do you know i don't i don't always look at it as a bad thing you know now of course you know being at my age now i know i wish i would have did things differently but it was a line for me at that time and we ended up getting our place I gave birth to my first child when I was 20. And then I got pregnant immediately after. Um, my children are basically kind of stair-stepped. Um, I'm very fertile. So my kids, they were, what, two years apart? I think my first two are like 17 months apart. And then the other three are two years apart. So after I had Kira, I remember having her first party, her first birthday. You know, we made this big old celebration because it was the first, you know, his first baby. And it was my first baby. So we made this big old party for her. And I was four months pregnant at the time that I was throwing throwing the first birthday party for Kira. She had no time to breathe. Didn't I didn't know she was the only child. Yeah, she, <clears throat> that baby, She's she's been called the utter mother ever since she was walking for that very reason. Because it was like as soon as I had Nyla, Kira became the utter mother. I used to call her utter mother, mother poo. <laughs> and um, Nyla came along and then that's when I ended up. In 2005, I ended up getting married. Their dad proposed to me, um, I believe I was about eight months pregnant with Kira. He had proposed to me. It was like around my birthday. He proposed to me. He took me out to dinner and I remember he got down on his knee. I I guess he had this whole thing planned it was supposed to be a surprise and he got down on his knee and I looked at him and said what are you doing get off the floor (laughs) and he you know I got all these people around cheering and woo you know and uh I just was looking like um and I said yes I did I would imagine so yeah I said yeah and then after that when he after he proposed to me, we stayed engaged for about two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so he proposed to me in '03, basically, and we were engaged for about two years. I had my first daughter during that time that we were engaged. I had her in '03. I was 20 at that time. I hit 20 because when he proposed to me, it was like my birthday. I was turning 20. I was about eight or nine months pregnant with Kira. 
I had her at 20. We stayed engaged for about two years and then boom, found out I was pregnant. Like I said, when Nyla was four months gestation in my belly, um, Kira was having, you know, we were celebrating her first birthday. So we got married, I would say two weeks after, I'm trying to think, was it before or after? No, I'm sorry. So I had Nyla in 05 and then we got married two weeks after I gave birth to her in 05. So that's how that went. Um, and three years later? Three years later? What? Three years after we got married? No. I, then it was Jay. Yeah, so then I had Jay in 07. Um, d uh he ended up catching the case um Nyla was still little so like all this stuff happened so fast like like everything in my relationship just was so fast like I didn't have time to really like enjoy my relationship really you know because I became a mother at 20 <clears throat> got married before I hit 21 I was already on my third kid by 07 you know with the same man and you know, he ended up catching a case when after we got married and Nyla was still a baby. I remember she was like, we got married when she was a couple weeks old. And next, you know, she's like two, three months old. And he was on his way to jail for a gun charge and drugs. And I ended up being left by myself. So now at this point, I'm looking at my mom in prison. My dad is in prison. And my husband is in prison three people major in my life that meant everything to me. They all left me at the same time. It's like a fucking book. Yeah, my life is very interesting. And it kind of adds up to who I am now, so. It's like one of them hood rat novels, except for you, <laughs> except for, you know, like a prostitute popping pimples on old niggas' backs. No. I read one like that. I got too many women friends. I, I mean, it's <laughs> so funny. It, I, I mean, I tried to live this story tale, fairy tale storybook, you know, I tried to live that way, but it just mm -hmm. wasn't panning out like that. You know, I wanted to be married and I wanted to have children and all this stuff, but not the way that it was happening. It yeah. was just going too fast. And eventually I learned, you know, that the man that I was with at this point is too late. You know, I just realized he wasn't really the one, you know, for me. So I felt like I wasn't forced into marrying him at all, but like I said, the situation with my parents going and being incarcerated, everything just happened so fast and I was pregnant. I just wanted to have stability. I wanted to have a father for my child. I just wanted our daughter, our first baby, to have a mom and a dad together in the home. You know, I wanted everything to yeah. be done the right way. Y'all didn't develop <clears throat> yeah, we were people who were good for each other. No. He started off being, you know, this nice guy, and he wasn't even my type, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm attracted to dark-skinned men like you. You say that. And he, he was not my type. He is very yellow, 
five kids later. I mean, I can close my eyes and have sex. So that don't matter. Oh, I mean, <coughs> it's easy to just. <coughs> well, yeah, okay. But yeah, I mean, he wasn't even my type, for real. But he was a nice guy. And then after, after, you know, I was on to my third kid, he did his prison bit. And then he ended up, like, the last, uh, like, six months or something like that, he ended up getting released early, like, on an early release. But he was going into a halfway house. So he got released to a halfway house. It was, like, on East 55th. So he was able to come home to me. And he he was there. At this time, um, when we were at our third child in 07, because when we had Nyla in 05, well, when we had Kira in 03, we were in apartments. By the time I had Nyla in 05, we had moved, and we was in like a duplex house, paying rent. We was down, kind of like in the slums. It was the lower part of Denison. It wasn't, you know, wasn't that lovely. But it was what we can afford, you know. We were only making, you know, what, eight, nine dollars an hour at that time? It's nothing. But um, by the time I had Jay and he was, you know, getting released to the halfway house, his mother had gifted us a house. Mm -hmm. um, she gifted us this house because, you know, for one, she, she was a good grandmother, she still is. Um, she said that because we were married and our family was growing, that she would give us a marital house that we can raise our kids in. So she had bought us a house and <clears throat> I ended up, um, you know, he ended up making visits to come see me. I got pregnant with Jay during the time that he was in the halfway house on one of the visits. And um, Jay, I had actually prayed for him, you know, because at that time I had two girls and I wanted a boy. So Jay was like the one that I really was, I really prayed for. Like I really prayed for that, for that baby. He, he know it. He be running on my house. <laughs> I'm the strongest one in here. Sometimes I think he got little man syndrome. He do, but it's okay. It's okay. But that is my oldest son. I mean, he like, he be all right. Once puberty hit, you know, he'd get over it. Right. And, yeah, I mean, I prayed for him, and I prayed for him to be a boy. And I remember going to church, and this uh, this lady, she was real heavy in the church. You know, she can speak in tongues. She would get the Holy Ghost. She could prophesy. And she laid hands on my belly, and she told me it was a boy. She actually told me she prayed and she said something in tongues and bless my baby and bless my my life. <laughs> and um, <clears throat> she told me she was like, you're having a boy. And I was like really happy and I believed her. So I was like, you know, I was real thankful for my for my my first son. And I just feel like after that, things kind of went real left in my relationship. Um, my ex-husband, my kid's father, he started, you know, cheating on me. 
Um, we would have a lot of domestic violence. We started uh, fighting a lot. Um, because it was one point, you know, when he finally was about to get released out of the halfway house, you know, I just was like, not really sure if I wanted to stay with him. So I told him that. And he basically, you know, didn't really take me serious. He said that, um, he asked me, was I seeing someone? And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I did see someone. And I said, but I think I, I did it spitefully <clears throat> because he had always cheated on me. You know, he had confessed to me while he was in prison that he cheated on me. So yeah, why not? Best time, right? Yeah. So it was kind of like, I did it spitefully. And I was trying to leave him, you know, and shit got real. Cause at that time he, you know, was like, well, whatever you're doing, you need to clean your act up by the time I get home. That's what he told me. He said, I don't care what you're doing now, before I get home, clean it up. That's what he told me. <laughs> he said, because that's my house, you my wife, those my kids. <laughs> he come home cussing me out. And I'm just like, well, you know, I tried to tell you. I said I was not happy. So at that time, things just kind of went left and it was just more of a, you know, it was a sour relationship. We just always were fighting, we were arguing. Um, he never he never stayed faithful. He was always cheating on me, um, going to the studio. He would do music a lot, that was his thing. He loved doing music, so. Um, he would stay out two, three days at a time, wouldn't come home, you know, and it just got worse. You know, there was nights I cried, I cried myself to sleep. I would just um, fight with him and beg him to stay home and just wanted to work my marriage out. And I just felt lonely, like I felt lonely. It was just always <clears throat> my mom, my dad was gone. He did prison time, he gets home. I just always felt lonely, like I never felt loved. Like, I felt like I had nobody. So that's why I was always like real tough and just real aggressive. That's just who I am. Like I I eventually learned to be self-sufficient and just do things on my own and take care of things on my own, handle things my own way, you know, protect myself, protect my children. Like, cause I didn't have nobody. You know, the two most important men in my life at that time left me you know so we just you know we're not we, we we became toxic we became real toxic and no i don't want to say unfortunately because i love my babies but we ended up having you know two more kids after that and at that time i was on birth control you know and i was still finding out he was cheating on me it was just all types of crazy mess yeah, fighting that was fucked up yeah it just it, i mean it just got bad like really bad police were coming to our house we had cases of dv you know um the kids were seeing us fighting and then you know he was cheating on me i was popping up pregnant again and i'm just like damn like, what is going on? And I was on birth control with my last two. You should have sued, man. You could have paid. They say, you know, it's that 1% chance. 1% twice. And I, I was on the depot. So, you know, 
Then it became to the point where I just felt like he wanted to keep me pregnant and bound. Mm -hmm. I felt like <clears throat> I was always pregnant. I felt like I was getting fat. At one point when I gave birth to my um, youngest child, which is Eric, when I had him, I was 200 pounds. I want to say 218, but 200 pounds. I was like 200 pounds when I had gave birth to Eric. And I just felt like I wasn't pretty, you know? I just felt like I was fat. Nobody else would want me. I had all these kids, you know? I'm like, he knew exactly what he was doing, you know? I mean, I know it takes two to tango, but it was like he just impregnated me constantly and then left me, you know? Then I'm like, ain't nobody ever gonna want me. I'm sitting here fat as hell. I ain't got nobody to help me. I got five kids. <clears throat> what man is gonna want a, a woman with five kids? You know, that's really intimidating for a lot of men. Red flag. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. And I knew that. I knew that. But I was like, you know, somebody will want me. And I said, I'm a good woman. Eventually somebody can overlook all that. <laughs> but it became, you know, I had my fifth kid. Well, I shouldn't skip over Ari. So I had Jay. I had him, which was Derek Jr. in 07. Ended up having Ari in 2010. I ended up having Eric in 2011. By the time I had Eric, well, by the time I found out I was pregnant with Eric in 2011, I had found out he cheated on me again. Once I found out I cheated, he cheated, I'm sorry. Once I found out he cheated, I ended up finding out I was like a month or two pregnant again. And I found out again he was cheating. I'm like, damn, every time I find out he's cheating and stuff, I'm pregnant. So that's where I got tired of it. And well, before I got tired of it, me and my sister went and hunted the bitch down and I was trying to bash her head in with a crowbar and we was at pull apart doing all this crazy foolishness and God. you know i was fed <laughs> up i was like a woman scorned you know <laughs> really that shit's real you know you take so much yeah yeah and i'm like you know what i'm about to pull apart nigga pull up right <laughs> my sister was riding on the hood of the car all types of stuff it was crazy <laughs> So <laughs> <laughs> she was, he was literally, <laughs> he was driving and she was on the hood of the car. <clears throat> but, oh my um, goodness, man. I rammed the back of his car. I was crazy. It's a great story. I was crazy. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we ended up, I ended up telling him at that time. I said, you know what? I'm done. I said, I'm done. I said, you can pack up and you can leave. I said, I don't want to be married no more. I said, I don't want to be with you no more. I said, I have came to the conclusion that I have took enough of your infidelity, enough of your shit. You don't treat me good. You make me feel horrible about myself. I, I'm not happy. I said, so <clears throat> I don't want you no more. And, you know, he became crazy. He said, I'm his wife. You ain't going nowhere. If you ever try to leave me, I'll kill you. I looked at him like, shut the fuck up. 
I didn't believe him because half the time I would beat his ass when we would fight. I blacked his eye a few times. But um, he told me, he said, you know, he was like, if you leave me, I'm going to kill you. And I took it like a grain of salt. I didn't really think, you know, he was serious. So <clears throat> I ended up, you know, he ended up moving out temporarily. He went to go live with his mother. And I started doing me. I became more independent, more like free. I was out, I was dating, living, having fun. I was smiling, happy. Um, at that time, I was even learning how to work Facebook because he he didn't even want me to have Facebook or anything. You know, he was very controlling. So I was learning, you know, how to work Facebook, posting pictures, just, you know, doing my little thing. And this one particular day, I um, it was like around my birthday in 2014. And he... Um, you know, tried to come to the house and, you know, work stuff out. And I told him, I said, no, I said, I'm done. I said, I, I don't want you no more. I said, I am done. I said, um, you and, tell him, girl. and this is after we had, you know, Eric and all that, because obviously, you know, at that time I said I was done and we still stayed together. So now I'm rolling to 2014. So even three more years went by. And he cheated again, and it was just constant. It was just a constant cycle. It was just a bad cycle. And um, I told him in 2014, and this is when it got real. I said, you know what? I said, I am done. I said, I can't do it no more. Same thing I said back in 2011, but this time I meant it. And he ended up leaving, and he started stalking me. He basically stalked me. He would follow me. He knew everywhere I was. I don't know if he had a GPS on a car or whatever, but somehow, some way, he always knew where I was. He followed me everywhere. I went on a date. He followed me to the movies and waited in the parking lot. He would follow me home. He would follow me to drop off my date. Um, just everywhere. He was just everywhere. <clears throat> he um, So one particular night after I left him, I went on a date. And he ended up um, following me and saw my every move. Um, and that's when he blew down and shot my car up. He basically, you know, staked and scoped us out. And he pulled up. I'm driving, not really knowing, you know, what's going on. I'm just driving with my date in the car. And um, he ended up blowing down on me and shot the car up. He claims to this day that he was trying to shoot the, you know, the guy that I had in the car with me. But of course, I'm in the car, so it doesn't make any sense. At all. You know, everybody I tell the story to is like, why would he shoot in the car with his wife, the mother of his kids, in the car? He didn't care. He literally was alive. Uh, definition of the show snapped. <laughs> I mean, that show is for real. He snapped. He at that moment in time, he didn't care 
that I was in that car. He was so angry and he was so like scorned and pissed off and just evil that he knew, yeah, he wanted to kill him, but he was like, fuck it, if a bullet hit her, oh well. Yeah. She cheated on me, fuck her. If I can't have her, nobody can have her. I really feel like that's what he was thinking that night. He didn't care what them bullets went because there's no way in hell if you really love somebody and care about somebody, will you shoot a bullet into a vehicle with that person in it? I don't give a damn if I was out targeting somebody. If you or somebody that I care about is in that vehicle, there's no way I'm going to fire a shot into the car in fear that I might hit that person. Mm -hmm. You know, bullets don't have names. So... The bullet came three inches away from my head. You know, the um, CSI people came and, you know, he shot six shots in my car. I think he had a 38. He fired six shots. He released the whole clip into my car. And I didn't get hit. I didn't get grazed. I was very thankful. I was blessed. God had me. But um, definitely the, the man that was in my car he was holding a beer can in his hand and when <laughs> shot through the car, the bullet pierced the beer can that he was holding in his hand and it exited out, but I don't know where it went. And then there was two bullet, two bullet holes up above the left side of my head, you know, where the seatbelt pulls down. It was two holes up there. And then there was a dent in the um, passenger side car. It didn't go all the way through the door, but it like dented the door. They found three slugs out of my car. Out of the six he fired, they found, they pulled three slugs out of my car. Um, I got cut up from all the glass fragments and everything that had shattered in the car and I was bleeding and stuff and I was real shook up and scared. I went to the police, filed a police report and they basically was looking for him and everything and he was on the run for a while. Um, but yeah, he tried to take me out. And ever since 2014 and ever since that night, we were separated and, you know, they finally caught him. SWAT team found him. My brother, uh, he kind of partaked in that. He helped the Illyria police find him. He went out to Illyria. He said, I can't sleep at night knowing that, you know, this man is out here and almost killed my sister and he's just free. So he went out there and waited until he seen him. And, um, you know, he called the police and SWAT team got him. And um, they took him to prison. They said, you know, when they put him up under arrest, they said, you're under arrest for the attempted murder of your wife. That's exactly how they said it. Dun, 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 dun. And he was like, I didn't try to kill my wife. Like, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, I laugh and giggle here and there when I'm talking about it. But at the time, it wasn't funny at all. It was a scary moment in my life. It was like one of the realest moments in my life that I've ever actually encountered. I almost died that night. The lady, when she came to recover my car and do ballistics and everything on it, she said, honey, were you driving this vehicle? And I said, yes, I was. She said, girl, by the grace of God, you are so lucky to be alive. I said, why you say that? I mean, clearly I know bullets went flying through my car, but I just knew she had a bigger reason. And I'm like, 
what makes why like why do you say that and she says because when we did the measurements of how those bullets came into your vehicle and where they hit she said had you uh been reclined a little further back like three more inches it would have hit you in the back of the head and you wouldn't have knew what hit you she said a 22 would have did some damage but that 38 would have took you out that's exactly what she said and i just like started bawling you know so it gives me chills now thinking about it but yeah so yeah um and then he you know they finally caught him and he did prison time and after all that i basically had to pick up the pieces of my life so like my life has always been very eventful up until you know 2014 was the last you know crazy encounter I had with him but I've always had a very fast-paced eventful life like I never felt like I had a rest I never felt like I was happy I never felt like I just had a secure moment it was just always something so you know when he got arrested and he went to prison and everything he did his time and I was able to pick up the pieces and literally start all over I had to start all over with my kids mind you all five of them by myself I mean we had to get rid of everything down to my dog we had a beautiful house the white picket fence we had all that so when people when I usually interview someone and they and we do like these beautiful autobiographical stories I'm a little high, so I'm not going to fuck that up, but <laughs> um, I usually don't interrupt, but I know that this dog meant so much to you and your family because y'all talk about this motherfucking dog so much. <laughs> like, everybody talk about this dog. Uh -huh. like it was there yesterday. And you know, I'm not a big animal person. Mm -hmm. I do not dislike animals, mm -hmm. but I understand that they, for me, they're not typically pets mm -hmm. unless I would not eat it and I would probably eat most animals except for fish mm -hmm. and pork and that's it mm -hmm. so like I guess I get it you know what you know what sorry I'm going on a tangent because you know what I'm bitter because somebody stole my dog and then my cousin froze my turtle so <laughs> but anyways yes I mean, yeah, I, the dog. yeah, the dog. But like it's fucked up because nigga just turned the lamp off and my nigga just psh, ain't never say nothing about how the light bulb went out that he turned the lamp off or nothing. I just <laughs> you mean no lettuce, Biddles? What's going on, Mister Tender Biddles? You mean no lettuce? You ain't gone. You gotta tell the kids in your family that you sent the nigga to the zoo. So every time they go to the zoo, they think it's Mister Tender Biddles. But nah, Mister Tender Biddles died. <laughs> I, just, I put him in a trash bag and poured some bleach in and threw him in the trash because he was going out with the garbage. And that's not give it about. Mm. <sighs> I'm sorry for your loss. I really miss Mr. Tender Littles. All right, but what were you saying? <laughs> Are you done? Not really, but I'm going to let you go here. <laughs> well, um, yeah, my dog, she meant a lot to me. I mean, shit. First of all, she was a beautiful ass pit bull. She was a blue pit. So, and I had her ever since she was a baby. She was a puppy. 
I helped her deliver her litter of puppies and all that. She was a part of the family. You know, when you have an animal for so long, I mean, it just, they become part of the family. But anywho, yeah, I lost everything down to getting rid of my dog. And um, just picked up the pieces. I, I mean, I had to be strong, you know? I. I was left with nothing, literally. I had like seven days to leave the house, you know, after all the fucked up shit did to me, almost killed me, everything. His mother had the audacity to evict me out of the house that she bought us. She turned around and evicted me and told me, the courts told me I had seven days to move. Seven days to move 12 years worth of shit. How? Like, how is that possible? Yeah. So yeah, you know, my story can go on and on. My story's more of a, it's a, cra it's a crazy story. I got time. We got no blood time, so go ahead. But I guess this is my story. Yeah. It's my life. But you know, I guess I wanna say just kinda like, not off subject, but just to detour from that for a second. All this stuff that has happened in my life has made me to the person that I am now. Like, I really feel like a lot of that, like I've grew through a lot. I've experienced a lot, went through a lot, grew through a lot. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I feel like I'm just a better person. Like I'm stronger. I feel like a lot of the stuff that I went through, I don't think many people can go through it. And I can say that with confidence. I was at my wit's end. Like I lost unhealthy weight. That 200 pounds I told you I was, I was down to like 100 pounds. Like I was the size of my 17 year old daughter for a minute at the age of what, 32? Um, yeah, so a lot of people can't really walk in my shoes like they couldn't go through that because i it was a lot of times that i was like ready to give up i, I truly like, believe that if you cannot handle the life that you live you will die like i believe that god like people always want to say god don't put you through nothing you can't handle yeah so if you can't handle this you're going to die and like so like i'm not big on complaining like i get tired I might be upset about some shit. I don't really, I try not to complain too much. Like I have days where I just want to vent. You know what I, I mean? Know. But like I truly try not to complain too much. Cause I, I feel like if I couldn't handle the things that happen, like I would die. And that's a hard thing to deal with for some people to be like, man, what you mean? But like, you know, we go through all of this shit because we're supposed to. Yeah, I feel like we are. Um... But I mean, it's okay to complain. I mean, not everybody has good days. Yeah, yeah, not that's every... what I'm saying, the good and the bad. Like, not complaining in the bad way, but like, you know. I mean, you have to let it out. Yeah. But like, I, tr I, I know that like, you know, we go through what we go through, because yeah, you're right. Like, not people, not many people go through what you went through and like, mm -hmm. survive mentally, physically, period. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? But like, you went through it because like, it was for you mm -hmm. to become who you are. I mean, I don't know if people can relate 
some people can that have children. I don't know how many of your friends actually have kids. I know you've told me about some of your closer friends and stuff, and some of them do have children, but I don't know, like, overall, you know, who all has kids. And just strangers and, you know, people in general. I really feel like my kids is what kept me going. You know, like, you got to have a reason to live. You got to have a reason to want and a reason to strive and keep going and not give up. And I really feel like because I had somebody calling me mom, I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't give up. And that is the honest to God truth. Like that, that's what made me fight harder. Like I had no choice. I wanted to give up so many times and just say, fuck it. Like I wanted to give my kids up like I just couldn't do it. I was mentally exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was physically exhausted. Like I was so stressed and mentally tore down that it physically affected me. I lost all this weight. I wasn't eating, you know. I think even around that time I became anemic, you know, cuz as you know, I have low iron and I am anemic, but um around that time like all that stuff hit me. So I started getting high blood pressure and different things. So like, you know, people say, oh, you know, you can't blame people for things that happen in your life a lot of times. But all the stuff that I've gone through, I blame him. And I really mean that wholeheartedly. I blame that man for everything that happened. I blame him for my health now, because before all that happened, I was fine. Like there wasn't nothing wrong with me, you know, I didn't start getting high blood pressure and becoming anemic and, you know, experiencing just different things. I didn't have none of that until it, you know, until he made it happen. He caused it. I blame that man. I blame that man for um, feeling like I was homeless at one point, you know, because when we lost the house, when his mother evicted, well, I shouldn't even say lost, when his mother evicted me, her own grandchildren, out of the house, <clears throat> I had to go live with my mother. And my kids had to get split up. So I never had been away from my children, not a day in their life. I've had my children by my side ever since they were all born. And because of that man, we had to, my kids had to get split up because it, it just wasn't enough room for all of us in one house. You know, some people only have a certain size house. So we had to split up my kids. And yeah, they got dispersed throughout the family. Um, You know, like with my siblings, my brother and my sister. But that was like the hardest time in my life to ever have to go through that also. Because I just never had not, I never not had my kids. So I knew at that time, I'm like, you know what? My life is getting fucked up. Like this is, this is crazy time to hit the restart yeah like I literally had to restart my life so and I did I restarted my life and I um you know I started working I was living with my mother I started working and um you know I was seeing my kids faithfully the ones that weren't with me my brother had uh two of my kids and They stayed with him for about two or three months, max. And I lived with my mom and I ended up getting my own place. Um, 
it wasn't the best place, but I had to prove to, to the courts that I can be independent because their dad filed a fake restraining order and, you know, called CPS on me. He did some fucked up shit. And <clears throat> I had to fight him. I had to fight him in court to get my kids. And I had to get a place and everything. So I got a place in like three months after moving with my mother. And then I started working at Fallen Waters. And that's when <laughs> um, I was becoming more independent. Um, I just, you know, was going to work from there. And my life was restarted. I met you. So I feel like it turned out amazing. Going through all that, now I can finally sit back and say, I'm happy. My life is where it needs to be. I, you know, am a part of a family business. Um, I play a big role at our business. Um, you know, I'm I'm not rich, but I'm stable financially. I take care of my own. I take care of all my kids by myself. Um, I just feel like everything just turned out okay. I never gave up. And you know, of course, I got you. You became a major part of my life. <laughs> That's like the happy ending of the story. I'm pretty awesome, I know. <laughs> I, know. Um, I just want you to... What would be your advice for any other woman that is going through a situation such as yours in any capacity? Like that is maybe in an unhappy marriage or feeling bound or in an abusive relationship or looking for her confidence to restart? Hmm. Well, so <clears throat> the people that are possibly listening now and yourself, this you guys aren't the first. Um, and I've encouraged a few women you know I've talked to a few women and what I have told them was that get out get out of it if you are in a relationship where it is toxic you are not happy you feel you know that you're worthy you know and you're doing everything that you're supposed to do get out don't wait around because I always thought that at one point I thought I'm never going to find another man. I'm not worthy. I'm ugly. Um, I'm not strong enough. And, you know, for some women, I know a big part of it is that they're not, they're not adapting to change. Some women, it's hard because, you know, if you're in a relationship for so long, it's kind of like you're just used to that. I was in that relationship for so long, I was used to the toxicity of it. So I adapted to that. And 
I gave him so many chances, but also I was scared to leave. Not in fear of him, but I was afraid to go out on my own and explore and just, you know, restart. I just never thought that I would find another man that I can love. You know, I just was like, this guy is all I know. You know, I loved him because I truly did love him. You know, I was in love with him at one point. I would be lying if I sat here and told you I wasn't. So <clears throat> I just encourage women to don't wait to the last minute before it gets too bad. Get out. Just get out of it. You are worthy. You're going to find somebody that's going to love you. There's so many people out here. Somebody is going to love you. Not all men are the same. So, you know, you can do it. I just, I always tell the women, you know, just, just don't wait. Somebody out there is going to love you. And you got to do what's best for you. You know, you can't just sit around and be in a relationship and it's, it's not good for you. So, I don't know. I just keep using the word get out because really, <laughs> really, it's serious. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't know how else to really word it. It sounds funny, but get out. Yeah. You got to go. Like, don't don't wait too long. Like, there's there's going to be somebody out there for you. And you just need to just keep going. And And, you know, and with women also, I want them to know, even if you don't find somebody, even if you're on your own, you know, you can do it by yourself. Like you can do, you don't have to have a man to dictate who you are and how your life is gonna be, you know, as an independent woman, just go out and get it for yourself and be happy. Just explore, just be happy. Because I always felt like that too at one point, like I don't wanna be by myself, you know? So you just gotta be happy and you just gotta, love yourself enough you just got to love yourself enough and just keep trying to you know do what you want to do and eventually you know you'll find somebody and it'll it'll work out and i always tell women too because some women just be thinking like they're never going to find nobody no you are there's somebody out there for you there's somebody for everybody even if you ugly <laughs> My Lord, you always turn all my seriousness into something. Because that's the truth. Like, even if you think you ugly, it's somebody that's like, I fuck (laughs) with you, though. That's the thing, though. Because, like, you ever seen ugly people with somebody and they be happy? It ain't never two ugly people in the couple. You know what I mean? Because somebody be like, I fuck with you, though. That's real shit. It ain't never two ugly people in the couple. You can find two beautiful people in the couple. But you... Well, if if there's a certain amount of drugs involved, you can find two ugly people in the couple. <laughs> but but like that's real shit, cause yeah. So ladies, always remember, no matter how you feel about you, somebody out there gonna be like, I fuck with you though, even if it's not even like, you know, a a, a romantic thing. And, and ladies, somebody out there is gonna be like, I fuck with you though, and like that's the men too, like. Yeah, ladies and men. And find someone that loves you, that makes you feel good. Um, Don't be in a relationship where you feel like your partner's putting you down. Be with somebody that is loving you, respecting you, um, building you up, not tearing you down. Because that was a big thing for me, too. 
<clears throat> he would tear me down verbally, mm-hmm. but wouldn't want me to go out and find somebody else to love me properly, you know? So you got to have somebody that respects you and loves you. And you'll, you'll see the difference. You'll know because you'll be happy. You can't stop smiling, you know? Can't stop, won't stop. In the words of my favorite meditation guru, Pete Diddy. <laughs> All right, so um, I don't know what I'm going to name this one yet. I don't know. Maybe I figured that out while I meditated, but thank you because this was. And I just want to let everybody know that now in my life, with everything that you guys have heard, um, I just want to say I'm happy. I'm truly happy. And I have been, I have become stronger because of all this. <clears throat> and everything has worked out in my favor. So I fought and I knew it was a reason. So I'm happy. Yeah. And uh, this is the round away. We out. Peace. You know, before you get out of here, I had to hit you with the quote from around the way. And this one comes from the great hip-hop philosopher, Benny the Butcher. For the niggas in my position, take care of your daughter. No matter what they choose to do, they're aware of the things that you taught them. And we out.